This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, good to be back. Hi. Happy President's Day. It's probably the only time you'll hear that all day long, President's Day. Not even acknowledged by the President. Not even acknowledged by the President. Wow. Uh, hey, speaking of, Joe Biden is in Ukraine. Please don't hurry back. Take your time. Take it easy over there, right? Meet all your friends, all your business associates. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit of a surprise. You wake up, the news is Joe Biden is in Ukraine, and sure enough, there he is walking around with uh, Zelensky in that T-shirt. Okay, um, a show of solidarity and all that stuff, and of course he's committing <laughs> untold billions more to uh, supporting uh, Ukraine, uh, yeah, I wish Ukraine the best, and uh, but you know, sooner or later, it's their war. Uh, if only Joe Biden had shown this kind of commitment to winning in Afghanistan, right? Couldn't wouldn't that have been something? Or when he was vice president to actually fixing Iraq and Afghanistan? Nope, nope. The line he chose to draw in the sand is between Russia and Ukraine. This will not stand. How many? All right, now we're going to send F sixteens. But first, we got to train the Ukrainian pilots in how to fly the F-16s and how to fire missiles and drop bombs from the F-16. They want F-16s. Pretty soon, they're going to want American pilots, okay? it's uh, They don't have enough. Uh, it's just, it's out of control. And I, um, I, I don't know. I, as I said many months ago, you know, actually, it's been a year. It's been a year. Big countries have been invading countries uh, since the invention of countries. And I have seen some really shocking, crazy stuff from over there, from both sides. Russia performing war crimes. It looks like Ukraine. My goodness, they may have been involved in war crimes. Eh, War is hell. It really is. And that's one of the reasons why you shouldn't fight war unless it's absolutely, totally, and completely necessary and is it totally and completely necessary for us? Do we, does anybody think uh, uh, Russia is going to have their eye on Poland after this debacle? Haven't they learned their lesson already? Uh, I know who has not learned their lesson because we haven't taught them anything. They won. China. China is doing a victory lap. They're lapping the United States. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, uh, Tony Blinken, they weren't intimidated by Tony Blinken when they sat down with him. Tony Blinken said, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable what you did. It's very, very unacceptable. And uh, China is uh, giving us the middle finger. China does not care. We are weakened, and that probably is just the way Joe wants to play it. Why would he want to play that? Like, gosh, you know, the two most important countries in the world, regions in the world, we got Russia, Ukraine, and China. And Joe, we believe, is compromised by all of them. Each country has significant, serious dirt on Joe Biden. There's absolutely no doubt about it. None. Zero. It's there. He's owned. People in the know will tell you that. The fake news will say there's no evidence and then it's not illegal. No. 
just use common sense. Listen to the recordings. Look at the look at the images. Yes, sometimes a picture can tell the story. And Joe Biden going over there with his drug addict son, Hunter. I mean, why would you drag that guy around anywhere unless he was, as Rudy Giuliani has said many, many times, and I trust Rudy. I trust Rudy more than any, anybody in the fake news. And they're coming after him because he is right, because he's not beholden. When, are they, when is he going to get his big fat apology cake? You know, as Rudy Giuliani has been vindicated, what do they do? They line up with these nasty documentaries, just nasty documentary. Oh, remember that time his eyes were bulgy? Oh, remember that time uh, he got sweaty? Who cares? Did I ever tell you, you know, the, the press conference they like to point to with Rudy? I guess he had some sweat coming down the side of his. Who cares? I happened to listen to it on the radio. I was in a cab and I was listening to it on my phone. And I couldn't see it. I'm like, this is this is great. This is so great. Remember the guy from uh, Animal House? I was like him. And I was like, this is it. This is changing everything. And it was uh, during the uh, fight over the election. All weekend long, by the way, or every, any weekend, any day. No evidence of widespread fraud. No evidence of widespread fraud. You know what I'd like to know? How do they define widespread because I can actually show that there was widespread fraud. If you have a, a fraudulent situation here, say in northern Georgia, and another one here in southern Georgia, well, that's kind of widespread, wouldn't you agree? And if it was only a few thousand votes that made the difference, maybe it doesn't – that's technically speaking. we got widespread fraud, wide and spread. No widespread fraud, no widespread fraud. Yeah, keep telling yourselves that. DeSantis is in town. What do we think of DeSantis? I know he's got great promise. Great promise. But uh campaign hasn't started yet. It hasn't really started yet. I'm glad that he's making the rounds. I think that he's not as good as people are saying. They're going to wake up, and re- once this thing actually starts, it could get, uh, well, it's going to get ugly. That's okay. That happens in politics, right? That's uh, That's the way it works. Let's see here. Very interesting piece in The American Thinker by Matt Cain. Are you ready for this? Since President Trump left office, many of the trustworthy media outlets have created a talking point that is now held by a minority yet noticeable number of conservative Americans. The belief is DeSantis is Trump without the baggage. Now, this group supported President Trump's policies and felt he did a tremendous job as president, but now feel the baggage that came with Trump would not be present with Ron DeSantis. Many have taken this a step further and believe this baggage would give DeSantis or others a better chance of winning in a general election against the Democrat nominee than President Trump. The first and most important angle to consider when analyzing this stance is the president present reality of American politics uh, and elections. President Trump's seemingly insurmountable election night leads in 2020, which were significantly larger than his leads throughout the night in 2016, somehow vanished into slim Biden victories. In other words, without our corrupt election systems being corrected, it doesn't matter who runs since the winner is predetermined. Trump did not cost us. The election was stolen. That's what this writer says. But for the sake of this discussion, we'll say that our elections are free and fair. (laughs) Despite his alleged loss, Trump gained more than 12 million votes from 2016 and likely more. The largest increase in vote total for any sitting president in American history. How about that, huh? 2016 to 2020, 
he gained more than 12 million votes, the largest increase in vote total for any sitting president in American history and the highest vote total by any presidential candidate ever, aside from Joe Biden. And yes, his highly suspicious 81 million votes cast that same year, quote unquote cast. So the media manufactured Trump baggage has not had any negative impact on voter enthusiasm for Trump. Based on his vote increasing by millions, you could make the argument the baggage led to more people rallying to support him. Prior to 2016, conservative voter enthusiasm in the previous two presidential elections was abysmal. John McCain and Mitt Romney both lost convincingly to Barack Obama, due in large part to their politically correct, low-energy approach to politics when conservatives were looking for the exact opposite. The Trump baggage can be summarized as a combination of his brash style of politics and the never-ending war waged on him by the media. Ironically, Trump's style was the change America sought, and his exposure of the corrupt media is what kept him so popular in part. In essence, Trump is a product of the corrupt environment the media has created, and their hatred towards him makes him more popular. The Trump baggage is what was needed to move the needle enough for Trump to win states such as Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania that Republicans had not won since the 1980s. Is that true? Well, uh, most of the baggage from the Trump presidency was completely manufactured by media and with the purpose of doing exactly what it is accomplishing to an extent now. Diminish enthusiasm for Trump at any cost. No facts needed. The goal was never to prove any of the false accusations against Trump. They knew this was impossible. They created them. Instead, they wanted to spread the false accusations enough that people either began to believe them or became so fatigued with the smears that they would abandon him. The Russian collusion hoax, both impeachments, the Stormy Daniels saga, and the now-concluded Trump tax returns are just a few examples of baggage that, in reality, were purely propaganda exercises to take him down. If there were anything of substance that could truly take down Trump, it would have been revealed long ago. If those examples are considered too much baggage... Could you imagine the media frenzy with issues of actual substance? Enter Ron DeSantis. To this point, it is obvious why the Florida governor does not seem to have much baggage. And it isn't because he has a squeaky clean past. He currently has not declared a run for the presidency, which is when most baggage is exposed or manufactured. There already are accusations ready to be weaponized when the time comes. Important to note, as seen with Trump, Truth and facts are not needed to create baggage. If DeSantis chooses to run for president, whether that is in the next election or sometime down the road, his opponents from both parties and leftist media will have no shortage of ammunition to create baggage specific to him. As governor of Florida, DeSantis's image as a protector of school children and being anti-groomer has gone unchallenged. His press secretary, Christina Peshaw, took to Twitter to categorize his signing of the Parental Rights and Education Act as an anti-grooming bill. Recently, he has been accused of partying with his own female students when DeSantis was a 23-year-old teacher in Georgia in 2001. Photo evidence shows DeSantis surrounded by three girls holding what looks like an alcoholic beverage. 
For someone whose appeal is largely due to his reputation of protecting students from groomers, photo evidence of DeSantis having a little too much fun with his own pupils is an ironically awful look and certainly baggage fuel. Hey, this is politics. It's true. I don't think there was anything indecent or untoward happening, but this is politics, and that issue will be raised. And it has been already. All right, back to the story. Shortly after his teaching stint, DeSantis began a military career where he was a judge, advocate, general, JAG officer. The general consensus is that liberals typically oppose wars more than conservatives do. However, conservative opposition to U.S. involvement in military conflicts has become more common than during other eras which means accusations of DeSantis greenlighting cruel and inhumane forms of torture on detainees at Guantanamo Bay, including force-feeding detainees through a nasal feeding tube pushed down their throats while DeSantis allegedly watched in amusement, will eventually be addressed. With the current fragile state of foreign affairs, Americans now more than ever want to be sure the commander-in-chief is not being influenced by any foreign countries. The American perception of the Russia-Ukraine conflict is unique because while the majority of Americans oppose Putin and Russia, support for the U.S. to continue spending money to Ukraine is also dwindling, which is why DeSantis' GOP opponents will undoubtedly question him on his press secretary, Christina Peshaw, who recently had to register as a foreign agent because of her paid work. Of all people, a Ukrainian politician named Mikhail Shakasavia. Is this true? I have not seen that. She also shared a tweet in February 2022 stating she supported Zelensky, was in Ukraine when Zelensky won the primary, and that a big party ensued. You know, it is interesting. A lot of American consultants do work for um, foreign politicians. It's, it's amazing. These guys are always traveling the world. They're, they go to Chile and do elections down there. James Carville has done this stuff all over the world. Let's see here. Um Trying, try picturing the amount of baggage that would come with accusations of DeSantis drinking and partying with his own female students, allege firsthand accounts of his role in inhumane forms of torture that violate international law, his press secretary and current rapid response director registering as a foreign agent, and recently having warmonger John Bolton promote him. Again, allegations are all that is needed to create baggage, not facts. The baggage potential for DeSantis makes Trump's look like peanuts. So if DeSantis does run, those pulling for him solely for baggage purposes will be severely disappointed. When DeSantis is faced with his own, two things are possible. He could cave and apologize under the pressure, which is the opposite of what conservatives want, or more likely scenario would be him refuting, defending, or denying the attacks, which is exactly what President Trump has always done. But whichever response occurs, there is no scenario where DeSantis would be baggage-free. So the DeSantis is Trump without baggage group must shift the question. They ask themselves to this, which of the two is better equipped to withstand the attacks? There is no doubt the answer to that question is Donald Trump. This is from Matt Kane, young guy in his 20s, but a very, you can follow him, at Matt Kane. Um, interesting point of view. Hey, welcome to uh, New York City, Ron DeSantis. He's uh, visiting the cops in Staten Island. A beautiful thing to do. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, we got this Ron DeSantis stuff ready. Okay, he was in Staten Island. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm not a DeSantis guy. I'm a Trump guy. But let's see what he had to say in Staten Island. We like his style. Remember what we just uh, talked about, though? The campaign hasn't really started. What's wrong? What are you guys saying? Okay, let's go. I and many Americans are thinking to ourselves, okay, he's very concerned about those borders halfway around the world. He's not done anything to secure our own border here at home. We've had millions and millions of people pour in. Uh, excellent point. Um, Governor DeSantis, uh, what else? Eh? Are we a constitutional system based on the rule of law, or is it just the rule of one woke prosecutor that happens to get elected with George Soros' campaign contributions? I want the rule of law. I don't want the rule of an individual man who thinks he's above the law. Yeah. Uh, we're liking, we're picking up what he's putting down, right, everybody? Is there one more? Let's say one more. Governor DeSantis in the- uh, Staten Island. It was the safest big city probably in the world under Giuliani and under Bloomberg. And now and you've had crime spike. You have these officers. Their lives are now more at risk because they have to risk their lives to put somebody away. But then the judge just releases them. Damn straight. Damn straight, uh, DeSantis. Now, uh, Trump was saying this stuff on the on the stage uh, at the debate and correcting the fake news in 2015. All right. So he's not inventing anything new here, but... Uh, you know, look, anybody can run for president, and he has every right to run for president. Over the weekend, a big story in the New York Post came out, all these pictures of DeSantis as a kid and a new book coming out. So it looks like he's running, uh, and that's okay. All right, let me hear another one. I had a fella uh, in Tampa who said there were certain laws that he was going to refuse to enforce that the legislature of the state of Florida had duly enacted, and so I removed him from his post. No, I love it. Hey, you know who's really regretting not removing somebody from their post? Um, Andrew Cuomo. For a, one brief shining moment, he could have removed de Blasio from the from that job, and he should have done it. Look at him now. Look at him now. All right, when we come back, ooh, I got this. A couple of cops uh, arresting somebody, and it's they do it well. They do it professionally, but the way they are hassled by Everybody, a bunch of woke jerks. What's your badge number? Leave them alone. You don't have any right. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, we'll be right back with that and more. Thank you. Greg Kelly, Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Every every fake news channel right now. Wait a second. District Attorney drops charge against Alec Baldwin in rush shooting? Okay, it must have been just one charge, right? Because he was charged with more than one thing. What charge was it? District Attorney drops charge against Baldwin in rust shooting. Rust the movie. Let's see here. In order to avoid further litigious distractions by Mr. Baldwin and his attorneys, the District Attorney and the Special Prosecutor have removed the firearm enhancement to the involuntary manslaughter charges in the death of Hyena Hutchins, on the Russ film set, the prosecution's priority is securing justice, not securing billable hours for big city attorneys. Okay. Uh, in other words, uh, they're still 
charging him. This is a this is amongst the attorneys. Okay, this is this is an attorney thing. He's still in trouble. And um, uh, let's see here. I guess it's been reduced. He faces a maximum eighteen month prison sentence. Eighteen months. That's down from like five years. Is that right? I think so. All right. So the firearms enhancement to the criminally negligent homicide thing has been dropped. But he's still in trouble for criminally negligent homicide, which is pretty much, in my view, an open and shut case. Joe Biden, they're all saying right now that he makes an unprecedented visit to Kiev as war. What's unprecedented, I guess, since he's not been to isn't everything he does, isn't everything anybody does unprecedented? I mean, big picture, presidents have gone to war zones before. Donald Trump went to Afghanistan. Donald Trump went to Iraq. Now, George W. Bush, Biden is a, it's not unprecedented. I guess, letter of the law, technically speaking, they're saying a president has never gone to a war zone where U.S. troops weren't fighting. Okay. Uh, but they're not, they're not pointing that out. They're just saying it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. I, I, I got pictures going back, uh, 70 years of Americans going to, American presidents going to war zones, but, uh, whatever. All right. Jimmy Carter is still alive. I'd like, hey, Here's hoping that he lives to be 115, all right? But he's still alive, and I can still criticize him because once he dies, we're all going to go into, oh, my God, he was the so great, he was the greatest president ever, and uh, he wasn't. He was one of the worst, all right? He's right down in the basement with Joe Biden. He was weak. He was ineffective. How the hell he became president is a total fluke. You know, he was a one-term governor of Georgia. Before that, he had one term. In the state Senate of Georgia, I guess he made a killing in the peanut industry. He had a very large IQ. He was very good at nuclear physics, but he was very bad at leading, and he was very bad at figuring out a way to get our hostages out of Iran. All right? He was also very good at pointing his finger and making everybody feel morally inferior to himself. I remember watching this speech. Rich, do we have it yet? I remember watching this speech when I was in second grade and thinking, man, this guy's really annoyed at me. He just seems, did, did I do something wrong? That's, that, that is how he came across to a seven-year-old kid. All right, go ahead. Good evening. This is a special night for me. Exactly three years ago, on July 15th, 1976, I accepted the nomination of my party to run for president of the United States. Stop. You know, I mean, talk about how f- these politicians, they're all like, it's a big night for you. The third year anniversary of what? July 15th? I bet. I would guarantee he's the only president to ever acknowledge the, a- the anniversary of his nomination. What a pff, politicians, huh? They, uh, you got to be kind of a, there's got to be something kind of wrong with you to go into politics. A little bit, a little bit. All right, keep going. Just you, a president who is not isolated from the people, who feels your pain and who shares your dreams and who draws his strength and his wisdom from you. During the past three years, I've spoken to you on many occasions about national concerns, the energy crisis, reorganizing the government, our nation's economy and issues of war, and especially peace. But over those years, the subjects of the speeches, the talks, and the press conferences have become increasingly narrow, focused 
more and more on what the isolated world of Washington thinks is important. Stop. All right, now you think, okay, fine, he's going he's gonna to speak to the people. He's going to speak to us. Yeah, he is, and you're not going to like it. I didn't like it. I couldn't believe, where does this guy get off talking to anybody like the way he's about to? By the way, did you catch that? Feel your pain. Bill Clinton was watching this guy very closely. He was a, Bill Clinton was a, uh, an ally and something of a rival of, of Jimmy Carter. Uh, keep going. Gradually, you've heard more and more about what the government thinks or what the government should be doing and less and less about our nation's hopes, our dreams, and our vision of the future. Ten days ago, I had planned to speak to you again about a very important subject, energy. For the fifth time, I would have described the urgency of the problem and laid out a series of legislative recommendations to the Congress. But as I was preparing to speak, I began to ask myself the same question that I now know has been troubling many of you. Why have we not been able to get together as a nation to resolve our serious energy problem? It's clear that the true problems of our nation are much deeper, deeper than gasoline lines or energy shortages, deeper even than inflation or recession. Uh. Stop. You know, I, he, it was his manner as well. So droopy, so down. And now he's about to come down on each. Hey, all these problems, these national problems of import, right? It's our fault. It's our fault. Keep going. I realize more than ever that as president, I need your help. So I decided to reach out. And to listen to the voices of America, I invited the Camp David people from almost every segment of our society, business and labor, teachers and preachers, governors, mayors, and private citizens. And then I left Camp David to listen to other Americans. Oh, brother, I'm sorry. I should, I should have, I should have, I should have uh, fixed this so we go right to the point. But he's all right. So he talks to all these people, and he gets gets the idea for a new weird speech. Keep going. Extraordinary ten days, and I want to share with you what I've heard. First of all, I got a lot of personal advice. Let me quote a few of the typical comments that I wrote down. This from a Southern governor. Mr. President, you're not leading this nation. You're just managing the government. You don't see the people enough anymore. Some of your cabinet members don't seem loyal. All right, all right, all right. I mean, just to sit there... It may sound good on paper. Wow, a leader is really taking stock, and he's, he's publicly airing criticism about himself. Never, ever, 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 ever do that. I don't care if you're in charge of one person, two person, or 200,000 people at a company. You never talk like this, ever. You, you learn this day one in the Marine Corps. You don't talk about others like that. You don't talk about yourself like that. You do these things in private. He's a leader. 
Anyway, do we want to go on with this? It's getting a little annoying. It was annoying the first time. Let me, I just, I want to get to the part where he actually says the phrase. There's some sort of weird phrase he uses. Keep going. Enough discipline among your disciples. Don't talk to us about politics or the mechanics of government, but about an understanding of our common good. Mr. President, we're in trouble. Talk to us about blood and sweat and tears. If you need, Mr. President, we will follow. Uh, oh, that's the blood. Well, he never did lead. He said it was a crisis in confidence and uh, like a moral decay. Just, you know, you could tell, you could feel the thirst for somebody like Ronald Reagan to come along. Ronald Reagan, who blew this guy out of the water. What an amazing, uh, it's just, it's incredible that he became president. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, he was a horrible ex-president of the United States. Horrible. I'm not talking about Habitat for Humanity, which I'm sure is great. You know, look at me. I'm doing something for my fellow man. Look at me. I noticed the cameras were always there whenever Jimmy Carter showed up to show him fake nailing and stuff like that. Was he really nailing? Okay, fine. I'm sorry. He's a car. Was he really a car? He actually was an engineer, so he probably knew about that stuff. And that's fantastic. But it's not exactly why, you know, he was made president. Not he wasn't made carpenter. And he went around meddling and really, really, really ticking off active duty presidents like Bill Clinton, like George H.W. Bush. He was running around uh, unauthorized, going over there, talking to Saddam Hussein and people like that. You know, like, and what do you do when you got a guy like Jimmy Carter? Is he representing America? He's got a lot of status, a lot of prestige. He screwed things up because, as you heard a moment ago, his ego uh, was out of control. I got a lot of lights here, but no, uh, is everything what, what is, I got a lot of lights. Just let me know. All right. Let's go to the arrest footage. Now, a couple of cops here. They're amazing. New York City cops. They're on a platform in the Bronx and they are, they want to arrest some guy. It's not clear why, but you know what? The cops don't have to tell me why they're arresting somebody. I actually kind of trust them and they don't have to tell, uh, people, what do you call bystanders? They don't have to brief them. They got enough on their hands. These cops are amazing. They're har- they're being harassed by everybody on that train. They're yelling at them, screaming at them. They got phones in their face, but they're so professional. They're so disciplined, but they're also very much cognizant of what's going on around them. And if anybody gets in the way, and some of them do, guess what? They get nailed as well. And I really like it. Uh, let me hear this. What is your badge number? Badge number, please. Badge number. Don't push so he, all right, he pushed somebody away. It was great. He pushed somebody who was getting it up. If you can't just go up walking up to cops and get it. What's going on here, officer? No, no, no. This is all wrong. What's your badge number? Anyway, they were they were awesome, uh, and I loved it. Did you hear about the 
Philadelphia police officer, a Temple University police officer shot and killed. Shot and killed by this soulless, crazy 18-year-old. Allegedly, he's the guy. They got him in custody. Apparently, he's a rich kid. And he shot the guy point-blank range (laughs) because the cop interrupted a carjacking. I am willing to bet a lot of money that this kid was a habitual dope smoker. Habitual. That and probably many other things. And also, I think it was in Virginia, the mother of two children, married mother, two children, gets into an argument in the parking lot and gets shot dead by another woman. I just wonder what was going on in the minds of these people, the shooters, in addition to the homicidal rage. Could they have latched on to some of the, some of the, I don't know, just the language that you hear out there? What's going on out there? The the negative rhetoric about cops, um, all the complaints about Karens. Could that could that be in the air a little bit? The same language, you know. Biden's always talking about the same language. They use the same language in Paul Pelosi's house as they were using on January sixth. What about the same language? I wonder if that woman who was shot in the parking lot did they call her a Karen? White women these days. <laughs> Sorry, but you guys even have less status than white men. It's incredible what's happened. Unless, of course, you go totally woke and join the mob. Then they will accept you until they turn on you. Because that will happen as well. Listen to this from the Epic Times. Uh, good people there. The Biden administration is preparing to sign up the United States to a legally binding accord with the World Health Organization, the WHO, that would give this Geneva-based U.N. subsidiary the authority to dictate America's policies during a pandemic. Despite widespread criticism of the WHO's response to the COVID pandemic, U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra joined with WHO Director General Tedros Gerebrius in September of 2022 to announce the U.S. WHO Strategic Dialogue. And together, they developed a platform to maximize the longstanding U.S. government WHO partnership. Uh, let's see here. And basically, it will be they will declare pandemics and this response that must take place in America. Hey, do you remember when Donald Trump went off on the WHO? And it was so honest and it was so interesting. You know, I become president. What do I know? WHO, World Health. It sounds, it sounds great. But then they make mistakes, right? You think, how can anybody be opposed to an organization called the World Health Organization. It sounds so beautiful and righteous. It's not. It's corrupt to the core, pro-China, weird, totally untrustworthy. And Biden, (laughs) weird and untrustworthy and compromised guy that he is, is about to sign us up for something that I don't think anybody fully understands. We'll try to get to the bottom of it. I'll be right back. All right, hello, welcome back. Uh, woke activists cancel law school name. Hey, you know what's going to be canceled next? The day we're honoring President's Day. It's for Abe Lincoln and George Washington. It is a matter of time. The effort is actually already underway uh, to change the name of Washington, D.C. George Washington University, they're revamping everything, everything down there. They're de-Washington they're getting the Washington out of George Washington University. There, how's that? Joseph in Fairfield, Connecticut. Yes. 
Hello, hello, Colonel Gregory. Uh, before I, um, I want to talk about the actual. You're in the business of using the voice, the timber of the voice, about uh, politicians. But before that, I'd like to read something from Lincoln's speech uh, at Edwardsville, Illinois, All September right, 11th, what? 1858. Uh, what constitutes the bulwark of our liberty and independence? Question mark. It is not the guns of our war steamers or strength of our gallant and disciplined army. Our reliance is in the love of liberty, which God has planted in our bosoms. Quote, three sentences from that voice. Very beautiful, very beautiful, very beautiful indeed. Now our love is uh, for uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and keeping our mouths shut. Unbelievable, unbelievable what we've become. All right, good. Did you have another little tidbit there, Joe? Yeah, with Jimmy Carter, I was in graduate school. I actually voted for him. That changed me around so that I voted for Ronald Reagan in 80. Uh, that turned around. What did you but, go to graduate uh, school for? Uh, uh, bio, biochemistry. I went to pharmacy school. I went to St. John's, and then I did research in, in biochemistry. And then I've been teaching chemistry for almost over 40 years. I still teach. Wow. Hey, you have any uh, spent? I taught at, what? I taught at, uh, I could also say this if you don't mind. If I, I taught at Fordham Prep for 20 years. I was a high school teacher. Oh, very good. Very uh, good. Hey, can I ask you something? Uh, the chemicals over there in East Palestine. Uh, I heard today that, what is it called? Vinyl chloride, but it can break down and become something else. And I saw two scientists, two, and they were a little bit on the woke side. They said they would not go back in there. They would not go back in there until further testing is been done and the government has come forward and said yep it's okay it's safe you know about chemistry would you go back there especially if you had kids absolutely not. i wouldn't go back there for 10 years it should be abated the whole town should be abated what happens what do you mean by abated what does that mean i know what abate means but i've never heard in that context what abated is in uh when they abate a a school you can't go in until they clean out the uh, the junk and the toxins uh, they neutralize them or remove them. In the case of uh, uh, Palestine, uh, that that ex- that uh, 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 chlorovinyl that be- becomes that what they use that for is to make PVCs, polyvinyl chloride, polyvinyl chloride or vinyl chloride, which is the monomer. It means small units are put together. When they react, they also release hydrochloric acid and phosgene. Now, phosgene, okay. is a- <laughs> dude, you you know your stuff. I'm impressed. I got what what does phosgene do? Phosgene is uh, chloromethane. That was used as gas warfare in the trenches of World War One. It's a heavy chloride methane molecule, gas that go that went into actually sunk into the trenches, and it actually sinks through the water too. Doesn't it's hydrophobic? Oh so it doesn't like water, but it sinks to the bottom of the water. That's why when when the senator from uh, uh, Vance was there and he stirred up the water, it comes up. So that goes into it's the hydrophobic. Soil. It's afraid of the water. Chemicals can be afraid of the water. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's right. It's, it's it's not that they're afraid. It's not an emotion, but it's a chemical reaction, right? Right. Oil and water. All right, Joseph. Thank there. you very much. Very impressive, by the way. Yeah, I'm really feeling for those people there. They're get, being given not only the runaround. They're being lied to. It looks like to me by the federal and state government. That means you, Mike DeWine. Be right back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. 
in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, the America First Warehouse uh, in Ronkonkoma. Man, oh man, oh man! Thank you. What a what a treat. I went out there on Saturday night. Uh, they got this great, it's like a clubhouse for America first, for MAGA, for Trump. Beautiful people. Uh, it was packed quite for, and, uh, I gotta thank all those people. It was an event for my book primarily and, uh, a lot of folks came out and it was wonderful to meet everybody. Uh, Joe the Box, he's the guy who started it and his brother, uh, John the Blanket, I think. <laughs> great names. Um, who was, uh, uh, John Tobacco was there. He uh, participated in his TV show and, uh, lots of folks who worked with my dad in the police department. Um, uh, a guy named Loman at the 106, uh, Nally at the 71, and then Chief Volker's family. Uh, Chief Volker was this really great three star, uh, chief of police. My dad, I think, was subordinate to him for a, and until he became first deputy commissioner, an amazing man. I met his daughter and uh, just thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everybody who bought a copy of the book, which is still available um, by Greg Kelly. It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement More Than Ever. And I got to say, I'm pretty impressed that DeSantis decided to go to uh, Staten Island and talk about that. He's on a he's getting ready for the release of his own book. And that's uh, good for him. Good for him, indeed. It's President's Day, and you don't really feel it, do you? I don't feel it at all. I'm not hearing anything about it. I went to the White House website. I went to the Department of Defense website. It's all about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, it's February. Uh, there's only so much time left to prepare for Juneteenth. I mean, Juneteenth, that's the new National. That's that's more important than July 4th. Cut 22, please. Cut 22. Happy Juneteenth and happy Monday. Uh, happy, happy Juneteenth observance. I hope you got the day off. Appreciate both of you spending time with us uh, amidst the holiday. Happy Juneteenth. Neil and Emily, appreciate you. Hello. Hey, I'm Donald Mason <laughs> joining us. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Juneteenth. What the hell is Juneteenth? Nobody still to this day knows what Juneteenth is. Nobody. It's you ask two people, they'll give you a what? 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 Juneteenth? What? What is it? I, it's something to do with Texas, and I don't know. Um, Abraham Lincoln ended slavery. He abolished slavery. Him, him, he did it. And President's Day, we acknowledge him and the guy who started our country, founded it, gave us so many. Amazing traditions and help beat the British, of course, George Washington. We know what they did. Uh, barely a peep, barely a peep. It's all about, uh, just this other strange stuff. What a strange time. So we know Juneteenth. All right. Let me get this straight. Juneteenth has something to do with. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I think the message about the end of slavery. They sent it on the slow train, literally. It didn't get to Texas until like a year later. Way, way, way after the Civil War. They got, finally got to Texas and said, it's over. And that's Juneteenth. Federal holiday. Federal holiday. Uh, but this day, 
And I showed a bunch of headlines on my TV show. How uh, President's Day is racist, 17 ways and uh, reasons to hate President's Day. Uh, President's Day should be canceled. Um, but, but Juneteenth, yeah. What is it? Nah, whatever. It's, it's cool. It's hip. It's woke. It's woke. Um, still no end in sight for those poor people in East Palestine. Uh, did you see? I also found this footage. It's kind of amazing. You know how they're not getting any respect there. Uh, federal officials, prominent federal officials are staying the hell away. No visit from Biden, no visit from Pete Buttigieg. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they're just afraid of the chemicals. And it harkens back to another situation in uh, Flint, Michigan, which I think they're still, they might still have some problems there. Remember the water? So Obama, the Obama went to Flint in 2016. Look at me, I'm going to Flint. I'm going to Flint, people. And while he's there, he did a stunt that involved drinking a glass of the dirty water. Cut 25, please. Cut 25. I see you, and I hear you. <laughs> we invest. Uh, can, can I get some water? Come on up here. I want a glass of water. Get a bottle. A bottle of water. I want a glass of water. Everybody settle down. This is Nobody, a crowd. You hear, no one's laughing. Thank you. I really did need a glass of water. This is not a stunt. And he doesn't actually drink it. What? He, he wet his lips. He did not drink it. He didn't sip it. He wet his lips. There was an audible gasp in the audience. People were just, like, absolutely dejected. Why would you do that? I, I am sure that somewhere when I was two years old, I was taking a chip of paint, tasting it, and I got some lead. Yeah, that's like talking about, like, well, I didn't wear a seatbelt, and I'm fine. It's like, but there were tons of people that died. She's right. She is right. And the joke and the laughs continued at their expense. Poor people who don't have much political power are laughed at and mocked by the powers that be. Democrat and Republican. Cut 26, please. Cut 26. Backstage. The president, sitting at the table with the criminal governor, decided to perform his stunt all over again. You know, generally I have not been doing stunts here, but, you know. That's not what I expected. That's what Snyder did. It felt like he minimized, like, what people were actually going through and struggling with. He were actually lead poisoned. You would not be president. You would be janitor Barack Obama. We were holding on to hope that he would declare a disaster area. A disaster would give us FEMA. It would give us hyperplacement, get engineers in, in here. Then we could get Medicare for all the residents of Flint. As soon as he took a drink of the water and said everything's fine, that was that. Was that. And look at it, years later, it's still poison. When he came here, it was my president. But when he left, he was not my president. Kind of amazing. It's the same thing all over again. Same thing. 
they use us for votes. That's it. They really don't care what they care about. And I capture it in that sequence. I showed it on the TV show. Uh, there is one moment uh, where two moments, actually. Air Force One arrives, that big, beautiful blue and white plane. It's a 747. You know, that's why they go into it, most of them. They want to get on that plane. And then they're in a motorcade with the beast and all these cars and police officers all over the place. I mean, being important, being powerful, that's fun. That's cool. That's that's what it's all about. Getting uh, the ability, flying all over the world and being important and being the center of it. That's what they're in it for. And remember with Trump, it was totally different. It's one of the reasons why he just turned it all upside down and got totally inside their head and totally flipped it on them. He had all that stuff. He had it all. He had the fame. He had the money. He had the attention. He knows what it's like to walk into a room and everybody to go nuts. He was That was happening to him in 1982. The jet, the helicopter. He had all the trappings of a president. That's one of the reasons. you got to watch. When he becomes president January 20th, 2017, two days later, one day later, inauguration day, he's just walking. He's the same guy. You look at early footage of Clinton after he became president. He doesn't know how to handle it. He, he can't believe, I can't believe all this stuff is mine. Wow. Oh, boy. Um, Jimmy Carter, the same way. It's they, It just exceeds their comfort level. They don't know. It's Their head is spinning. And then they love it. They love the trappings. They love the importance of it all. And it gets in the way of getting anything done. And I don't think Obama. How, where is Obama now, by the way? Where in the hell is that guy? He's in some lair, some billionaire's lair at 60,000, just taking care of himself. Malia, Sasha, Michelle, the rest. You know, there's a real chance that Michelle is going to get into this race. There is a real chance that Michelle is going to run for president. Hey, Barbara from Huntington, you can't believe how many people were talking to me about you. I saw some of your friends. Hi, Barbara. Oh, did you? I wish I could have been there. I knew it would be great. I knew you'd have a wonderful time. Yay. Good, good. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I was in Florida in the sunshine, so I couldn't be um, at the warehouse. No, that's all right. Uh, the <laughs> Look. Florida versus a warehouse. Which would you choose? All right. But hey, wait, it's not any warehouse. It's a really beautiful clubhouse. And uh, it's it's a really nice environment. But anyway, Barbara, you are missed. So what's up? Amazing people there. What's up? I, I tuned in and I heard you talking about DeSantis and his baggage and compared to Trump and his baggage. And I thought you made an amazing point of everyone will have baggage. They will dig it up. They will invent it. They will create it. It will not be true necessarily. But who can deal it deal with it best? I think we saw that in President Trump. I think the two things we have to keep in mind for the next um, candidate for the Republican Party is, number one, he has to be a pit bull because he will deal with what Trump had to dealt with, deal with only even worse. And number two, it should be someone who is not looking for another um, term as president someone who's not looking for a second term and therefore is not beholden to the swamp to help them ease them into that second term. And Trump fits on both of those counts. Yeah, he sure does. Right. Just, uh, that uh, was a, did you see that piece? Matthew Zane, it's a great piece. What are your thoughts about the Santis? Just generally speaking, what do you think of the guy? What do you, what's your take? I think DeSantis is doing amazing things. And when I'm down here in Florida, people love him. But I 
think that he has some maturing to do. I think that he doesn't begin to have the experience that Trump has. I don't think anyone has the experience and the position that Trump has. So I think DeSantis needs to continue to make Florida great, to continue to show how powerful and important a governor can be in preserving the liberties of his state. I think he needs to grow in that. And I think one day he will step into the White House much more experienced, mature, and capable of handling those huge responsibilities. Yeah, I, I, I see that. Right. There's more maturity. And you know what? I got to tell you, I'm a little bit freaked out about somebody being younger than me and the president. All right. All right. If that happens to everybody sooner or later. It's going to happen. And, uh, but that's, that's okay. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just, uh, that's the way things work and that's the way they're supposed to work. And he's obviously a very talented guy. Sometimes I think they want it. He wants it just a little bit too much. You know, that there's like, I, I sense a lot of ambition there, you know, and, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's, uh, it's okay to be ambitious, but sometimes it seems to me like it's personal ambition. Do you know what I mean, Barbara? Or am I just, uh, no, and it, I, I see the ambition, too. And I see, though, him being pushed and pushed and pushed by the people who will, I hate to say it, but people who will benefit from him having a bigger platform. And those people are always there, and they're going to encourage you. Some of them mean well, and some of them are being selfish. But when you look at now, and I don't mean this about DeSantis, but when you look at the politicians who are in office, I think it's very good to keep in mind what the uh, what is called the seven deadly sins and let's see where we see evidence of those sins the seven deadly sins if we look at our our president right now the seven deadly sins pride greed wrath envy lust sloth and gluttony now do we see evidence of those in the president and in the people around him what evidence of that did we see in Trump and, and the people around him? Because especially when I see greed and envy, I know you had talked about seeing President Biden frequently revealing how jealous he is of others and how jealous of the money that other people made and so forth. So when you look at these seven deadly sins, you see that these are the sins that lead to bad things. <laughs> They're against the Ten Commandments. And they don't lead us into a good place. And I know, you know, people will say, well, what about Trump? He's greedy. You actually have to listen to the man. You got to listen. And he talks about how money is money. He's actually said this out loud. Money's besides the point. In business, money was a way of keeping score. And he, he was very upfront. I love the work, but money is, it's about keeping score. It's about knowing. And anyway, whatever. Once again, Barbara, your wisdom is off the charts and so appreciated. Have a great time in Florida. Look forward to you coming back, uh, and I'll be right back. Thank you. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
You know, Jimmy Carter, I guess he was pretty young when he was president. He was 52 years old. We forget. He, he looked older. It's kind of a lot of wrinkles, and he had like real grayish hair, and uh, but he was just fifty-two. Remember how young Amy was? Amy was like eight, nine years old, walking down the street. Uh, Amy Carter, and um, walking down Pennsylvania Avenue on inauguration day. I remember that well. That's like the first election I really remember, and I voted for Ford. <laughs> I was in second grade, but we did have this mock election, and we had a Ford. Box and a no, it was actually a barrel. It was a little uh, uh, cylinder. One was for Ford, one was for Carter, and we all got into it. And I was for Ford, and I remember because I just felt like they were always picking on Ford. He seemed like the underdog. They were always criticizing him, and I remember just thinking, I, I don't, I don't like that. I also remember vaguely, vaguely, vaguely the word resign, resign, resign. And it was about Nixon. I was like five years old and resigned. He's going to have to resign, resign. And what a bad guy Nixon was. And I remember seeing a picture of Richard Nixon and his wife, Patricia, in the White House. And he was wearing a tuxedo and his wife was very beautifully dressed. And I, I was looking at this picture. It was in a book or a magazine. And I was with my mother and I just said, he looks nice. And right away, my mom said, he is like like she had been looking and studying it the same way I was. And uh, so we were, uh, I was on his side. I don't like it. I don't like it when people are bullied. And I sometimes, believe it or not, if you got all that power, you can, you know, you're the punching bag of an entire nation. Um, except, of course, when it's Joe. And because those who have the power to hit him, you know, metaphorically speaking, are not. This guy has so much baggage. You know, we're giving Ron DeSantis a hard time for drinking a beer in the year 2002. And <laughs> Joe Biden, Joe Biden is a corrupt politician. Joe Biden has not been asked about that laptop. Not once. The guy's surrounded by media every single day. And not one of them has asked him about that laptop, which we now know is a thousand percent accurate. It's the real deal. By the way, Hunter has now switched from selling out America and is giving money to his old man to selling fake art. He's actually making a fortune doing it. We'll be back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Everywhere DeSantis is going, uh, Democrat politicians put out fake welcome messages you know, uh, like Ewick Adams. Hey, welcome to New York. We're going to give you a lesson in tolerance and diversity and equity and inclusion. Governor Pritzker. Yeah, we're going to straighten you out about uh, free speech. <laughs> Ron DeSantis, an extremist. You know, there's not nothing extreme about saying kids should not be talking or taught about sex before the third grade. Right? That's not extreme. It's also not extreme to say, you know what, that vaccine that they came out with 20 minutes ago, uh, I don't want to take it. I think I'm going to sit this one out. That's not extreme either. To put something in your body that has <laughs> received a minimal, minimal, we know. We know how long it was around. They couldn't have tested it. That's up to each and every one of us to get something like that. If you want to, great. If you don't want to, great. Trying to say he's an extremist. I saw George Clooney come out and said, anybody who doesn't get the vaccine must be fired. Anybody who doesn't get the vaccine must not be allowed to travel. Crazy, crazy stuff. 
Um, Joe Biden is, is he, did he leave Ukraine yet? Yeah, somebody just told me, yeah, he wanted to, yeah, after a while, you got to start delivering the checks in person. Okay. They get so big. You got to bring it over there in person. You can't just put this stuff in the mail. You got to bring this stuff with you. So he walked around with that guy in the t-shirt, Zelensky. Yeah, I know he's inspiring. I'll tell you this. Some of his troops are doing some pretty weird stuff in the field. All right. I'm seeing all these videos with swastikas and, uh, hail Hitler, the Ukra- the Ukrainians. What the hell is that all about? Now, yeah, we've seen we've seen war crimes from the other side. At least that's what I'm told I'm looking at. It's a very confusing issue. Most Americans are thinking, you know what? It doesn't involve us, and it doesn't. I'm getting uncomfortable with the amount of time. I'm getting uncomfortable with uh, no end in sight. And now I'm getting uncomfortable that China seems to want to get involved more than ever before. And why not? We've shown no ability, capacity to shut China down. China says, jump. How high? Yes, sir. Yes. Well, how can we help you? Wait a second. Tony Blinken came out with a very, very tough message. He said, what they did with that balloon is unacceptable. 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 You think that's going to stop the Chinese? All right. Here's somebody you shouldn't know. Well, you don't really have to know about him, but I'm amused by him. His name is Larry. Larry Hogan. Uh, and this is the swamp version. This is what the, the swamp says a Republican should be. Totally opposed to Trump. A child of the swamp. He actually lives inside the Beltway. He's physically inside the Beltway. Um, he was the governor of Maryland for a little while. He's been running for office since he was 24 years old. His father was a congressman. All right. So this is, this is who they like. A, a rhino who hates Trump. And uh, he was on the Meet the Press show yesterday. He got a makeover. They told him, don't wear a tie. You'll appear cooler. Some people will think you're a big tech guy. Go ahead. Can you explain why the party doesn't seem to hold Donald Trump responsible? Responsible this when I say the party. Most of the elected leadership, you're an exception uh, at the NGA, RGA uh, apparatus. But most of the leadership uh, doesn't seem to pin this on him. I, I, you know, again, you, you sort of. The record is the record. Why do you think they don't want to pin it on him? Well, I think they're concerned about retaliation from the president. Uh, they're they're concerned about uh, you know being attacked within the party, and and you know it just bothers me that you have to swear fealty to uh, the dear leader, or you get kicked out of the party. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it to me it, the the most damning part of this, Liz Cheney voted for. President Trump's single, singular legislative achievement. And, and what many Republicans tell me is very important to protecting the person that they're replacing her with voted against it. I mean, is, is the party now what you just said? If you're not with Trump, you're not a Republican? Well, it's sort of a circular firing squad where we're just attacking members of our own party instead of focusing on solving problems or standing up and having an argument uh, that that, that uh, we can debate the Democrats on some of the things that the Biden administration is pushing through. All right. I don't think we're going to see much of Larry Hogan. This is not about fealty to Trump for the hell of it. All right. This is a tried and true warrior who we trust and we agree with um, Liz Cheney is not one of those people. And this is more than any piece of one, one piece of legislation. You know, he said something, I don't know what he was saying, uh, what they pinning it on Trump. I don't know what that, what they were pinning it, it, what the, it was, 
Um, but Liz Cheney uh, voted for impeachment, the January 6th stuff. Oh, the retaliation. He said, yeah, they're afraid of retaliation from Trump. Well, think about it. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, don't you want to have a somebody who's tough that you got to think twice about crossing? You know, if Larry Hogan or uh, Joe Schmo congressman has to think twice about uh, crossing Trump, I think China has to think twice about crossing Trump. Two, three, four, five times. They never, ever, 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 ever would have tried that balloon stunt. Which, well, it happened four times. No, it did not. That is a fake news swamp lie. And even the Trump haters will tell you that. Um, uh, Bolton, uh, who else? Uh, who, who, who else is in the, uh, who's running for president who's a Trump hater? They resent him. Uh, and they're couching it a little bit. Uh, all right. Let me hear this stuff from the Jimmy Carter just before he, and look, I wanted to live to be 120, all right? And I hope he pulls through this. And he might. He might. You never know. That would be great. I wanted to live to be 120. But if he should go, uh, we're going to be very nice and focus on his accomplishments. But until then, I can talk about what a crummy president he was. And he was. Final reminder before we go into uh, funeral overload. He talked he talk down to America. Go ahead. Here we go. Stop. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Speak for yourself. You heard he was down in the dumps because he was not good at getting legislation passed. And I'll have to admit, even with mixed results, this this is a guy. This is like a therapy session. He's using all of us as his psychiatrist. He he spent 10 days in the wilderness to come up with the phrase crisis of confidence. Does he think it had alliteration because it started with two C? I don't know. Wow, how this guy became president, really. And I don't give a damn about Habitat for Humanity and his pride. Go ahead and do it. Fine. Not That's great. Good people, I'm sure. That doesn't make him a good president. It doesn't excuse 
It doesn't excuse any of this. Keep going. No. All right, this this is like a Ronald Reagan campaign commercial. That's all he had to do was run that, huh? Uh, all right, bad president, and this is even before before the Iran uh, hostage crisis. Remember that four hundred and forty four days. Uh, it's something else they would not have pulled, and damn, damn it, they they shut that thing down. You know, the moment, the moment, the second that Reagan became president, those hostages were free. They were not going to mess with uh, somebody they feared was a madman. And you know what? A little bit of fear that you're crazy is not the worst thing in the world. It really, it's a great thing. And right now, no one is telling North Korea what to do or how to do it. We're just, we're, we're, we're kissing Chinese uh, Communist Party butt, right? It's unacceptable. Are you kidding me? Um, what you need is a guy who says, North Korea will know fire and fury like no other time in history. If they shoot any of those rockets, even close to America, that's the situation, Greg. And I'm not kidding. They, but the rocket man better not mess with this guy, me. Uh, you needed that. It was it a little bit crazy. Yes. Was it diplomatic? No. But there is a time and a place for this stuff. These diplomats with their binders and their meeting rooms and their conference rooms and their their study groups and their retreats and their symposiums and their conferences. And meanwhile, a guy like Putin just walks into Ukraine. You need you need strength. All right. And when he lost, when Joe Biden lost Afghanistan. That was it in so many ways. Hey, uh, it looks like they're about to release thousands of hours of footage from January 6th. Thousands of hours security camera footage from January 6th. I can't wait to see it. And the first portion of the Capitol I'm going to look for is that hallway right outside the House of Representatives. And find out why those cops walked away just before Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. And get to the bottom of... Lieutenant Michael Byrd's actions that day. Cut 28, please. Cut 28. Fired. What could you see? Where were you aiming? You're taught to aim for center mass. Uh, The subject was sideways, and I could not see her full motion of her hands or anything. Um, So I guess her move, you know, caused the uh, discharge to to fall where it did. And what did you think this individual was doing at that at that moment? She was posing a threat. 
she was posing a threat. Real Forrest Gump thing going with this guy. Uh, she wasn't. There's not a police department in the world that would say so. Well, maybe a few. North Korea, China, Moscow, all right, places like that. Uh, but nowhere in America was that shooting justified. Now, I'm just hearing this. Uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy is making the footage available. Oh, not to everybody, just to one of his favorite journalists. Just, uh, just that guy. This is public domain stuff, buddy. Speaker McCarthy, are you going to put in all the stuff that I want to look at? Because you said out loud not too long ago that uh, Officer Bird there was doing his job. He was doing his job when he shot and killed that woman. Are you crazy? Man, what a swamp rat. I know there have been some promising things, but if you can't get to the bottom of a woman being killed in your office, then we we have a problem. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, this January 6th footage, 14,000 hours of uh, footage, security camera footage. They're leaking it out here and there to uh, favored reporters, maybe those reporters who were sticking up for Kevin McCarthy when he was, you know, there was that big debate about him. I personally was not one of those guys. Hey, is this one of those what goes around comes around situations? All right, I'm not going to get that because, uh, you know, is that is that because, I don't know, I wonder. I wonder. Uh, it should be public domain. And you know what? There are plenty of January 6th defendants. Uh, you're going to give it to Tucker Carlson before you're going to give a guy who might be thrown in jail if he doesn't get to see it. That is kind of infuriating. You should put it on the damned uh, Capitol Hill House of Representatives website and let the people see it and let us see the truth that too many have been hiding for too long. And quite frankly, too few people have been asking questions about not only have the questions gone unanswered, they've gone unasked. January 6th hearings. All right, got to wrap it up in a little bit. Sandra, oh, Sandra, hi, New Jersey. Hello, how are you? Oh, hello, how are you? Um, I wanted to say that you had a great book review in the Epic Times. Did you see it? Is it from the woman who used to be a teacher? Yes. Yes, it was very nice. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yes, uh, the book uh, was available wherever books are sold. Justice for all, how the left is wrong about law enforcement. Thank you. Uh, what else? Well, I wanted to say that I um, I memorized 39 presidents so far. And um, my third, my favorite so far is the third one, and that was Thomas Jefferson. Well, wait, what do you mean and, you, memorized, you memorized 39 presidents? What do you mean by that? Okay. In other words, there are many. So there I, are 46 so presidents, and you know the first 39, right? Correct, by heart. So I'm really happy about that. So the next step What's, is... Who's the 11th president of the United States? The 11th was James Polk. Very good. Now ask me one, because I'm pretty good at this as well. Oh, okay. Who, well, I know you'd know this. Who had two consecutive terms, uh, non-consecutive terms? Oh, uh, Cleveland? And when, No, Grover, Grover Cleveland. I said that. I said Cleveland. Oh, you did? Oh, right, yes, correct, 26, right, and then the 24th, those two terms, All correct. Right. All right, well, My happy thing. President's Day. You, you and I seem to be the only ones talking about it. It's uh, it's the holiday that's dying. Uh, it, it's around because it's a day off for a lot of people. That's it. Nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care about the father of our country and Abraham Lincoln. It's amazing. More about Juneteenth and gay pride 
Gay Pride Month. It's coming. Only only three months to get ready for Gay Pride Month. Anyway, anything else? I got to go in a moment. Well, I wanted to say Thomas Jefferson. He was um, a diehard for. Um, he was the third the president of the United States, by the way. Yes, he was a diehard what? For a champion for freedom of speech and of the press, believing that each would contribute to a democracy by contributing to an educated populace. He was a brainiac, you know, that guy. Who's the fifth president of the United States? This one would be uh, James Monroe. Very good. Uh, I know the I first. Know, I really. Washad Jeff Mad Mo. That's a little thing for the first five. Washad Jeff Mad Mo. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Well, anyway, Sandra, thank you. Always great to talk. Thank you for your support. Um, and uh, people were talking about you at the warehouse, at the America First warehouse as well. Oh, Carmine. Carmine was there. Hey, Carmine, thanks for showing up. How are you? Greg, it was a total success. And as humble and modest as you are, I'm going to just tell you, listeners, it was standing room only sellout. Now, one person was disappointed. If you wanted a photograph with you, you got it. If you wanted an autograph, you got it. The atmosphere, the volunteers helping, the food, meeting Judith and Maureen, it was spectacular. And when you speak, Greg, like your mute button, you have the ability to mute everything around, about, around you out of your uh, – you mute that button and you speak, and you speak from the heart, Greg, and people listen – and it was a magnetic night. It was just, I wanted to do some impersonations, but there wasn't time. And I know that God sent me there to pray for you and encourage you. And I am so glad, you know, I love you. And you know, that's, like you said, it's going to be continued. And I just prayed you got home safe that night and rested. And, you know, the book cover is a very different material. Did you have anything to do with that, by the way? You mean the the granular kind of feel, the yeah, grittiness to it? really very, very special, Greg. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Thank you. Uh, that was a, uh, no, that was a choice made for me, uh, and I was very pleased with the results. I had no idea. Hey, man, Carmine, I appreciate it so much. What can I say? You're like an angel. You're like an angel to me. And, uh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it so much. To be continued for sure, okay? It was really a pleasure seeing you in person. And, uh, thank you for the, the beautiful thoughts and words. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay. We're going to talk about suits next time, Greg. Why? What do you mean by that? Because uh, I just watched some uh, episodes this morning, so I'm off from work. Hey, did you see me throwing my hat up in the air? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw you doing creating some sort of ruckus back there. It was great. You were fantastic. Thank you, Carmine. Uh, again, keep in touch. And, folks, I'll see you tonight at uh, what's it, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. on Newsmax. Many thanks. <laughs>